Support for Veterans Corner on Veterans Corner Radio is made possible by M&M Printing and the Observer News of Ruskin. Hello and welcome to Veterans Corner Radio Podcast, information for and about veterans. For this edition of the podcast, Bill welcomes Brad Hibbert, Program Manager for America's Vet Dogs. Brad Hibbard presents an interesting story of not only assisting veterans with service dogs, but also providing combat stress control dogs to active duty units. Many of these dogs have been raised by prison inmates who themselves have benefited from the puppy raising process. Bill and Brad discuss the variety of service dogs and how the dog and vet are paired up. If you think you need a dog, Brad explains the process and what happens once you are accepted into the program. Veterans are not charged for the services provided. America's Vet Dogs is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and is supported by donors who care about veterans. The program explains the five different categories of dogs they raise and what the dogs are trained to do. You will be amazed. Here now is Bill Hodges with Veterans Corner Radio on Veterans Corner Radio Podcasts. Welcome to Veterans Corner, a show dedicated to providing information to all those who have served our country's military and to their families. Now, here is your host, newspaper columnist, management trainer, and Air Force veteran, Bill Hodges. Hi, I am Bill Hodges, and this is Veterans Corner Radio. And I've got a great guest for you today, one I think you're going to find very interesting. It's Brad Hibbard. Brad is the Chief Programs Officer for the America's Vet Dogs, and it's a great big organization celebrating their 20th anniversary. Brad, thanks for coming on the program. Good morning, Bill. Thanks for having us. Give us just a little thumbnail on America's Vet Dogs. Yeah, America's Vet Dogs, we provide highly trained assistance dogs, and the people that we serve are honorably discharged U.S. military veterans. And our focus really is to help them achieve their objectives and goals in life and live a life without barriers through the supplemental use of the dogs. You know, it's interesting to me that there are so many different kinds of dogs that help. I mean, somebody once said that dog, D-O-G, was God spelled backwards. And I, I kind of feel that way about dogs. I just absolutely love them. You provide them to veterans. How does a veteran get a dog? And is there a waiting list? Yeah, the way to apply for our dogs, and I, and I want to start with the fact that all the services that we provide to our veterans are all completely free of charge. So the really? transportation to our campus the actual dog itself, the training with the dog, and the lifetime of aftercare in their home areas, all at absolutely no cost. Very easy for uh, a veteran to apply to our program. Just go to our website at vetdogs.org, vetdogs.org, and there'll be a button up there at the top that says, get a service dog, and all the information there will be there on our website. They go into our application process where we get professional referrals, from the different professionals they're working with, whether it's doctors, behavioral health, and so on. We also ask for some videos to help show us the life that the dog's going to be leading, where they live, where they work, 
and then also an interview with one of our professional qualified instructors. That's gotten a lot easier now with all every cell phone having a video capability. Doesn't that be a professional video of the lifestyle, correct? For sure. Even before the pandemic, we were already, you know, leveraging technology to help the application process. And now everybody's much more used to using technology, uh, you know, to gather information. You mentioned also, Bill, you talked about the wait list. One thing that I want to let the veterans out there who might be interested know is that over the last two years, we did a restructuring in our program and added some staff so that we could knock down what was 160 person wait list to around 60. So now is a perfect time to apply to our program because we can get to most veterans now and serve them with a dog under a year. You know, it, it's interesting how you train your dogs. You, you have volunteers who will take the dogs and train them. But as I understand it, you also have a prison inmate program. We do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it all starts with awesome breeding. It all starts with our breeding program to provide a dog that has the best health and the best temperament. And then the majority of our service dogs are raised in one of our 14 partner prison programs where the dogs Monday through Friday work with an inmate. Each inmate is assigned a dog. They are focused on the fundamentals of push, pull and retrieve that we turn into the advanced tasks when the dogs come back to our campus in Smithtown to New York for their formal training. But on the weekends, they go out with weekend razors where they can learn about good house behavior as well as socialization and exposure. So our prison partners are amazing. If it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be able to serve as many veterans in the high quality that we do. Well, it, it amazes me because it seems to me it's got to be good for the inmates also. It is. You know, a lot of the inmates that are in there, they want to give back to society. They might have gone down a, a wrong road at some point in their life, but now they want to give back and they want to do good things in the world. And some of these veterans are working with multiple dogs year after year. That is absolutely phenomenal. Now, you said your campus is where? It's in Smithtown, New York on Long Island. And if somebody applies for the program and it gets down to matching them to the dog, then you bring them at no charge to your campus? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we have a lot of information, obviously. We've known these dogs since they were puppies and all during their raising experience. When they come in, we do a little bit of a screening as to what we think the dog's strengths are, what kind of service dog and assistance dog we could turn them into. And then once our applicants are accepted, we start to look at the information we have from them, from our application process. We match that up with all the knowledge we have of our dogs. We make a match. We invite the veteran to come to our campus. We fly him in or they drive in. And as I said before, all of our services are at no cost, absolutely free. How do you fund such a big organization? I mean, we have local organizations around the country providing dogs, but this is huge. You're dealing with sports teams and things of that nature also, aren't you? Yeah, you know, it's all nonprofit. We're a nonprofit organization. We rely primarily on private donations. So it's through the appreciation, understanding of people out there that want to donate to us how these dogs can really help change veterans' lives. And we serve nationally. You know, it, it's interesting. I said 20 years, but your organization has been working with guide dogs much longer than that. Yeah, America's Vet Dogs was kind of an outcropping of our sister organization, the Guide Dog Foundation, which started back in the mid-1940s. And, you know, we learned over the years that there were a lot of need for veterans, especially coming back from the Middle East, 
that we thought we could help them impact their lives in a positive manner. We already had our breeding program. We already knew how to raise puppies. So we had a lot of strengths that we could bring to bear in the creation of our service dog program. How many dogs a year do you think you'd be placing on an average? Combined between the two programs, we're usually somewhere between 130 and 150 a year. Since the inception of America's Vet Dogs in 2003, though, we have almost, we're, we're getting very close to having served 1,000 veterans. Wow, that's great. How much does it cost to raise one of these animals? You know, the cost really, at the end of the day for us, is somewhere north of $50,000. So as wow. you can tell, we've got a lot of generous donors out there that know they want to help veterans and they'd like to do it through what we're doing with our dogs. And that that keeps us going. The program itself provides lots of different kinds of dogs. And that's something that a lot of us don't understand that are on the outside looking in. We see one that's a service dog or a guide dog, or there's different names for them. Can we go over the kinds of dogs that you produce for the various people who need them for their particular disability? Sure. Yeah. And that's the main thing we're always focusing on, Bill, is what is somebody's objectives and goals in their life? And we want to help customize each dog's training. So the types of dogs that we provide under the assistance dog umbrella is guide dogs, of course. These help enhance the mobility for blind and low vision veterans. Hearing dogs, which help uh, veterans alert to sounds in their environment like doorbells, fire alarms, that sort of thing. Seizure response, where if a veteran is having a seizure and they're immobilized, the dog can go get help in their home or initiate emergency services and stay with their handler while the seizure episode passes. How of course, does that well, work? Which which part, Bill? The, the, how do they trigger the help when, when a person has a seizure or is about to have one? The dog just senses it? You know, in some well, the the person when they start to have a seizure, sometimes they become immobilized, right? There's actually a physical physical demonstration of the seizure occurring that the dog understands and is cued off of. At that point, they can either go get somebody uh, to help that's within their home that they know, a, a spouse, a sibling, a family member, or a friend who might be living there. And then there are some different technologies, devices that the dog can initiate contact with, which will call nine one one. Really. I mean, yes. like a button the dog might Correct. learn to push? Correct. Wow. And and that's provided through someone else or does it yes, come that's through you Yeah, also? that's typically a different service provided by another agency. You know, we see these dogs in their harnesses and things like that. And, and most of us know now you're supposed to leave the dog alone. It's a phenomenal thing. They're, they're, they're doing their job. They're working. It's like that's coming right. up yeah. to somebody that's working and patting them on the head. It's not a That's good right. thing, right? No, no, it's not. The, the best thing to always do if you see a dog that you believe is a service dog, because it's either wearing a harness as a guide dog that has a handle on it, or it's wearing a vest that signifies it's a service dog. If you want to interact in any way, first of all, you always want to ask the veteran. You might say, what a beautiful dog. Is it okay if I pet him? Or is it okay I say hi? The handler then can decide themselves whether they want to do that, because what you want to avoid is distracting a dog when it's working. I was amazed, actually, uh, on my television show, I had the leader of one of the veteran, or actually a guide dog organization, and she she was blind. She brought her dog into the studio, and as she moved through the studio, and studios, television especially, have cords all over the place. 
and the dog would stop before mm-hmm. each one, let her know it was there. She got up, sat down, the dog laid down beside her, didn't look right or left, just laid there during the whole interview. And after it was over, I said, that's a very sedentary dog. Really, very quiet, very calm. She said, oh, wait. And she <laughs> took the took the harness off him. The, the dog was all over the studio. Yeah. Just yeah. all of a sudden became a real live puppy. And it was fantastic to see that, that there's these different ways that these dogs can change their personality when they're in and out of harness. Yeah, it's, it's like us when we get up in the morning, right? We get up and, and we, we get ready. We take our shower and we start putting on our work clothes and we start getting our work face on, right? Because we're heading off to our job. And it's the same thing for our dogs. When our users slip on a guide dog harness or they slip on their service dog vest, the dogs know time to go to work. You know, speaking of time to go to work, I I really appreciate you're getting up at five o'clock on the West Coast to record this. It was a a really difficult thing getting a schedule because you're all so busy. But thank you for doing that. Let's talk about some of the other kinds, the service tasks, dog. Yeah, so a big one, of course, for us is mobility tasks. That's with our veterans who have the most significant physical challenges like missing limbs or they might be using a wheelchair or other adaptive devices. And those dogs are a really huge important thing is retrieving dropped items, opening and holding doors, counterbalance for people who have balance issues uh, and things like that. And then probably the largest category that we have, Bill, is for our applicants who are suffering from the symptoms of post-traumatic stress. Oh, that's a horrible thing. And, you know, so many people don't even believe it's real, but it is. I've done a lot of research on this. I've worked with the VA and their mental health people, and it's real, people. This is a problem. Yeah, there's very few of our veterans that aren't suffering to some degree from PTSD. And so over 60% of our applicants are suffering from PTSD. And we have a couple of different tasks that we train to help mitigate those symptoms, like nightmare interruption. A, a good portion of our veterans are having nightmares at night. The dog wow. will wake them up. Really? We'll, yep, we'll nudge them, sometimes pull off a blanket. We do a couple of different things depending on the veteran. And wakes them up and helps ground them, helps remind them that where they just were in that nightmare, that's not where they are. They're at home, they're oh, safe fantastic. at home with their bed, and they're there with their battle buddy who's waking them up saying, hey, here I am. That is absolutely phenomenal. I didn't realize they did those kind of things. A couple other things under PTSD is they'll uh, help extend personal space to give a little more space if someone's in a line and they feel a little bit crowded. Rest, which is if somebody starts to have an, uh, an episode and a crisis with their PTSD out in public somewhere, <clears throat> the dog can do a rest where it will compress its chin. Let's say they're sitting down on a bench. The dog will compress its chin and its head onto the veteran's lap and they'll make eye contact. And again, like nightmare interruption, that brings them back from whatever the incident is that oh, they have wow. on their mind, the anxiety that they're feeling and grounds them and brings them back into the presence that they're there with their friend. And then go get help, which is something where uh, someone in the family can be wearing a transponder and will have a button on the wall. And if the veteran cues the dog to go get help because they need assistance from a fender family member, the dog will go hit the button and that alerts the uh, other person in the house that the veteran needs some help. And we have facility dogs, which is another category. 
We do. That's a growing category for us. That's where we train the dogs to provide physical and occupational therapy to wounded veterans and active duty personnel that are in military installations and VA centers around the country. We uh, just lost one of those dogs, my next door neighbor, Gunner. Uh, he was, everybody in the neighborhood loved that dog. Ah. And he was trained to be able to go into facilities like that, let people pet him. And he was just a beautiful animal. We just lost him and uh, slept the hole in the neighborhood. Yeah, no, they, the dogs affect every, they affect you and they affect everybody around you, right? Yes. The last category, I didn't realize anybody did, but you actually can take dogs and insert them into combat units as uh, ways to help the veterans when they're overseas or the combat troops decompress, I guess. We did. Yeah, we did. We've had dogs, combat operational stress control dogs or cost dogs. They have gone into theater overseas during conflicts to work with the behavioral health specialists that are on the ground there working with the troops and soldiers as they're coming back. So really what we find the most significant impact with those dogs, Bill, is that if somebody goes out and they have some action, they come back to their base and it allows the behavioral health specialist to actually open a conversation. The troop or the soldier might not want to talk about what they just experienced and what they went through, but the dog is an icebreaker. And so they start talking about the dog, they start talking to the dog, and then it just opens pathways of communication to talk about what they just experienced. My guest today on Veterans Corner Radio has been America's vet dog, Chief Program Officer Brad Hibbard. Brad, you've done a great job. I've truly enjoyed having you on the show. We've got a thousand more questions to ask you that were put together by Allison, uh, your public relations person who did a wonderful job of preparing. We'd have to have you back. That'd be great, Bill. We'd look forward to it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Bill Hodges. This is Veterans Corner Radio. You're unique, you're special, and you're great. Tell yourself so often because you are, you know. And we'll talk to you very soon again on Veterans Corner Radio. And again, thanks so much, Brad Hibbert, for being on the show and sharing America's Vet Dog with us. Thanks, Bill. You've been listening to Veterans Corner with your host, Air Force veteran Bill Hodges. The views expressed on this program are those of Bill and his guests and are opinions based on the best available information. In matters of law or governmental regulation, it will always be best to check with the appropriate agency. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us for the next Veterans Corner. Before we go, here's a quick final thought. Why not take a minute to follow or mark Veterans Corner Radio podcasts as a favorite? It's easy, and you'll be among the first to be notified when new episodes of the podcast are released. And thanks for listening to Veterans Corner Radio podcasts.